तो मैं राहुल जी से आई मेट राहुल गांधी of the Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers and the founder and president of the Telangana Gig and Platform Workers Association. His is a voice that is familiar to observers of platform worker organizing in India. And in the previous episode of the Delivery Charge podcast, we learned about how Sheikh Salauddin and his colleagues had begun to find opportunities in India's democratic politics to demand welfare protections for gig workers. और उसके बाद में जब मेरा टाइम आया तो जब मैं राहुल जी से मिला तो करीब बहुत सारे चीज उनसे जो गीक वर्कर प्लेटफॉर्म वर्कर का असल मेन रोल क्या है इन लोग कैसा काम करते हैं कितने घंटे काम करते हैं इसके अंदर क्या क्वालिफिकेशन है the hours we work in a day the qualifications required for this work the livelihoods of those doing it and other issues rahul gandhi is perhaps the most recognizable leader of the indian national congress india's oldest political party the party is a diminished force today after having been out of power in the country's federal government for nearly 10 years जब मैं उनके सामने बरखा के गीक वर्कर प्लेटफॉर्म वर्कर्स के इतने हजारों लोग काम कर रहे तो बोले कि हाँ कोसे सेक्टर में कितने लोग काम कर रहे कोसे कोसे आपको किस चीज का कानून डिलीवरी बेशक सर रियली As we learned in the previous episode of this podcast, Sheikh Salauddin met Rahul Gandhi as the Bharat Jodo Yatra moved through Hyderabad in the southern state of Telangana. The voice in English that you're listening to, translating the words of Sheikh Salauddin, is that of my friend the anthropologist Jagat Sohail. Agar jab 19 minute ki jab baatchit ho rahi to aap dekh sakte ki unhe bola ki kaise kaise takleef aapko milti, field pe aap kitne ghante jab kaam karte. In those 19 minutes. He asked us about For instance, back pain, how our health is affected in this line of work. About the pain we feel on our backs, necks and feet. So he tried to deeply understand the problems of delivery workers. And drivers, how long they drive, about the traffic stress, about how families are being sustained, the promises made by companies, the kind of कंपनीज के और आपके बीच में कैसा कॉन्ट्रैक्ट है रिलेशनशिप क्या है तो मैं बोला सर ये एग्रीगेटर जो कंपनीज है सारे बोलते पार्टनर पार्टनर 
तो कितने शेयर मिले आपको कितना उसके बाद में जो है ये नतीजा बाहर निकल के आया जब मुंबई महाराष्ट्र गया था वहाँ पे भी हर कॉर्नर मीटिंग पे जो है स्विगी जोमेटो ओला उबर डिलीवरी बॉयज के डिलीवरी ड्राइवर्स के बारे में भी उन्होंने रिजल्ट ऑफ ऑल दिस और साथ ही यहाँ पे भी क्या ये पैन इंडिया इशू दिख रहा तो वहाँ पे भी फिर वहाँ पे निखिल डे सर ने थोड़ा परेशान है यहाँ के हालात को लेके Nikhil Day was one of the founders of the Mazdoor Kisan Shakti Sangathan or the Association for the Empowerment of Workers and Farmers a group working outside of the political party process on several issues that are quite close to the urban and rural poor particularly in Rajasthan Ashish is Ashish Singh one of the leaders of the Indian Federation of Abbey's Workers in Rajasthan Dharmendra is Dharmendra Kumar of Jan Pahal or People's Initiative a Delhi based non-profit that has long focused on the problems faced by street vendors Nikhil Day Ashish Singh and Dharmendra Kumar had met Rahul Gandhi as the Bharat Jolo Yatra progressed through Rajasthan in December 2022 We had listened to them all in the previous episode of this podcast That episode was titled Workers and Voters and explored how people like Sheikh Salauddin Ashish Singh Dharmendra Kumar and Nikhil Day who were not mainstream political party leaders were nevertheless alive to the opportunities presented by the state assembly elections in Karnataka and Rajasthan So Rajasthan government me interest bataya Rahul During the last meeting in Rajasthan Rahul Gandhi announced that he was making two demands of the government in Rajasthan me clearly kaha public announcement me that the scheduled castes and scheduled tribes must have a right to land वर्कर्स Ashish Singh, Sheikh Salauddin's Rajasthan-based colleague, actively applied pressure on the state government to make good on this promise. कल का इवेंट था कि ये जो विधानसभा सत्र चल रही है, ये इसको इसी सत्र में पास किया जाए. सरकार में बोला भी है, इंटरेस्ट भी है, और बकायदा सेंट्रल से भी प्रेशर है. Yesterday's event was aimed at having the law passed during the ongoing session of the Legislative Assembly. तो 
they have to recognize that there can be a change in government and what needs to be done has to be done now. जो हमारे पास में एक पहले भी एक मोबिलाइज हुआ था बड़ा उसमें भी हमारे पास आए थे और इस सेक्टर को समझ भी रहे हैं जान भी रहे हैं और इंटरेस्ट के साथ में तो लेबर मिनिस्टर और भी सोशल जस्टिस मिनिस्टर वो प्रेजेंट दे नाउ अंडरस्टैंड द सेक्टर एंड आई एक्सप्लेनिंग इट टू द अदर लेजिस्लेटर्स स्मारक पे जो प्रोटेस्ट का प्लेस है वहां पे हमने प्रोटेस्ट किया सुबह 10 बजे से लेके 2 बजे तक सारे वर्क ग्रुप वर्कर्स को बताया कि ये क्या हो रहा है कैसे हो रहा है फिर उसके बाद में करी बिफोर गैदर्ड एट शहीद स्मारक वहां से व्हिच इज अ प्लेस ऑफ प्रोटेस्ट हियर बाइक रैली वी प्रोटेस्टेड देयर फ्रॉम 10 इन द मॉर्निंग अंटिल 2 इन द आफ्टरनून अभी वी एक्सप्लेनड व्हाट वाज हैपनिंग एंड हाउ ऑल द वर्कर्स प्रेजेंट आफ्टर दैट thousands of workers moved in a rally with bikes cars autos and loading vehicles we finally reached the albert hall kaise nahi kisi sarkar aur company ki bhagidari ho to uske baad mein hum wahan se albert hall ek museum hai yahan pe wahi pe ministers ka standing tha badi kadakti dhoop mein bhi wo stand kar rahe the aur hum log bhi stand kar rahe the it was oppressively hot and we had to manage that with our limited resources we met the ministers and they promised us that they would pass this law in the current session of the assembly wahan pe unke sath mein baat kari aur unhone vaada kiya ki isi vidhan sabha satra mein hum isse parit you're listening to ashish singh of the rajasthan gig and app based workers union the translation in english is voiced by my friend shubhadeep sho ashish singh was describing a rally of gig workers on july 20 2023 at which the state's labor minister and the state's social justice minister assured them that the state government would pass the rajasthan platform based gig workers registration and welfare bill during the ongoing session of the legislative assembly later that month the rajasthan legislative assembly passed the law to establish a welfare board and a dedicated social security fund for the platform based gig workers in the state the new law provides for the creation of a gig and platform worker welfare board that has to formulate schemes for ensuring social security for gig workers a grievance redressal mechanism for workers and open consultations with trade unions who work with platform workers You're listening to me, Aju John, on the Delivery Charge podcast. This is the seventh episode. In the sixth episode, we saw how gig and platform worker leaders have been demanding changes to the law that governed gig and platform work. In 2023, leaders like Sheikh Salauddin and Ashish Singh are speaking directly to the politicians engaged in India's competitive democratic politics. I have interviewed Sheikh Salauddin five times since June of 2021, and can tell you. that this feels new ministers and politicians 
were not always ready to listen to him. This is him speaking to me in July of 2022. क्या करना साहब मजबूर होकर हम लोग सुप्रीम कोर्ट को भी चढ़ना पड़ा इंडिया का बिगेस्ट चैलेंज था ये हमारे लिए हमारे पास दूसरा रास्ता नहीं है What can we do? We were forced to go all the way to the Supreme Court because we had no other option. If any of the concerned bureaucrats or ministers had called us to speak with them, then we could have tried to settle this issue. But we had no access to them. The companies remain inaccessible to us anyway. But at least the government should have been accessible. कितने केसेस बुक हो रहे ड्राइवर्स पे डिलीवरी बॉयज पे आंदोलन करने पे आर यू नॉट एबल टू सी हाउ मेनी केसेस आर बीइंग फाइल्ड अगेंस्ट डिलीवरी वर्कर्स फॉर प्रोटेस्टिंग पॉलिटिशियंस मिनिस्टर्स एंड ब्यूरोक्रेट्स हैव नॉट आस्क्ड देम इवन वंस अबाउट देयर डिफिकल्टीज अरे यार इनकी मजबूरी क्या है एक बार पूछेंगे इनसे बातचीत करेंगे इवन एज ही वाज स्ट्रगलिंग टू बी हर्ड बाय ब्यूरोक्रेट्स एंड पॉलिटिकल एक्टर्स Salauddin and his colleagues were building the gig and platform worker movement in several parts of the country. Har jagah har chhota mota sangathan ko bitha ke aapas mein baat chit karna start kar rahe kaam karna start kar rahe kaam karne ka We are bringing small associations of gig and platform workers together and developing strategies. We are training leaders not only to protest in the streets but also to work in writing all of this is happening in the background this is going to be a large sector of the economy and a lot of work remains we need to do this work today to aaj agar jab protest in the streets and also do this work in writing we need to apply both our hearts and our minds if possible we will raise our voices in the houses of parliament jahan jahan and maybe even through the leader of the opposition thane lagayenge leader of opposition se uthane lagayenge dekhiye abhi tak hum log ne har states ko gaya we went to all the states and built organizational structures where there were none kyunki aap dekhenge aaj ka account of the telangana gig and platform workers association you can see how platforms are threatening to remove workers for participating in strikes kai paper mein dikhe kai tv your id can be blocked if you or your name are seen in the news to jo rozgar these are people who have purchased vehicles for 10 to 15 lakh rupees and they are being threatened with the loss of their jobs what remedy do they have sab ye to constant we have a legal and constitutional right to raise our voices but who can we tell our troubles to hamari awaaz utha sake hamari baat rakh sake ab ye bhi nahi hai bole to kaisa hoga some media will carry our voices but some won't they will only carry what ola uber swiggy and amazon say thodi media nahi likhti जो ओला उबर बोलता जो सिक्की जोमेटो अमेजन बोलता वही लिखता जो हम बोलते वो नहीं लिखते यूर लिसनिंग टू शेख सलाउदीन ऑन द डिलीवरी चार्ज पॉडकास्ट आई एम योर होस्ट एंड प्रोड्यूसर अजू जॉन दिस पॉडकास्ट इज अबाउट प्लेटफॉर्म डिलीवरी वर्कर्स ऑर्गेनाइजिंग फॉर फेयर कंडीशन ऑफ वर्क इन जर्मनी वेर आई लिव एंड इन इंडिया वेर आई एम फ्रॉम दिस इज द सेवेंथ एपिसोड द सेकेंड दैट फोकस ऑन इंडिया इफ यू लाइक लिसनिंग टू दिस पॉडकास्ट प्लीज सब्सक्राइब टू द फीड and rate us on spotify or apple podcast or wherever you have been listening tell your friends and colleagues about it the delivery charge podcast is supported 
by the MS Marian R. Tagore International Center of Advanced Studies Metamorphoses of the Political or ICASMP which is an Indo-German research collaboration of six Indian and German institutions funded by the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research. In this episode, we are further exploring how the emerging gig workers movement is able to leverage the dynamics of competitive electoral politics and demand legal reform. For their demands to be credible, political parties have to recognize gig and platform workers as being electorally significant and their leaders as capable of influencing the results of an election. Ashish Singh of the Rajasthan Gig and App-Based Workers Union, which is affiliated with the IFAT, is more explicit about this idea. संगठन का देखिए इस सेक्टर में मैं आपको बिल्कुल क्लियरली ट्रुथ ही बताऊंगा क्योंकि संगठन इज अबाउट पॉलिटिक्स लाइक लोकल पॉलिटिक्स नेशनल पॉलिटिक्स एंड इंटरनेशनल पॉलिटिक्स तो बिना पॉलिटिक्स के कोई संगठन चलता नहीं है संगठन का मींस ही होता है लेट मी द क्लियर ट्रुथ अबाउट ऑर्गेनाइजेशन अपने सामाजिक स्टार्ट हमारा हुआ था टैक्सी ड्राइवर से सो इंडिया में एजुकेशनलीजेंटली मेरा ऑर्गेनाइजेशन है राजस्थान गिग एंड एप बेस्ड वर्कर यूनियन सो आई एम फ्रॉम राजस्थान सो अभी हमने सारे संगठनों का जो है उसको डाउन करके बिकॉज वो अलग अलग की डिलीवरी के भी थे और टैक्सी के भी थे तो अभी राइट नाउ राजस्थान गिग एंड एप बेस्ड वर्कर यूनियन है जिसमें ओला उबर स्विगी जोमैटो रेपिडो पोर्टर अर्बन कंपनी At the moment, the Rajasthan Gig and App-based workers union is connected to workers from Ola, Uber, Swiggy, Zomato, Rapido, Porter, Urban Company, Fiverr, Upwork, loading drivers, electricians, salon workers, plumbers, women who provide beauty and massage services, red cliff whose workers collect blood samples, and any kind of workers in the gig and platform economy. हम उन्हें ऑर्गेनाइज कर रहे हैं काफी क्वांटिटी में जो है वर्कर्स हमारे साथ कनेक्टेड. There was Ashish Singh of the Rajasthan Gig and App-based Workers Union. The work of driving cars for Ola and Uber. is not like the work of delivering food on Zomato or Swiggy or the work of delivering groceries on Blinkit a provider of beauty services on urban company does not do the same work as someone servicing or repairing air conditioners on the same app they work at different locations the tools of their work are different their work processes are managed differently and they earn different incomes these differences however have not stopped Ashish and Salaudin from working to bring them all together under one organizational umbrella pade likh ke bhi rozgar berozgar hai ke kaam kar rahe 
educated and unemployed people are doing this type of work. Rahul Gandhi understood this reality when he spoke with delivery workers. I am not speaking in favor of any particular political party. राहुल वेर सलाउद्दीन बोल के बहुत बड़ा वायरल चला दोनों के बीच में ओके मैं एक तरफ से मेरे डिमांड्स बोल रहा हूँ राहुल जी दो डिमांड्स the national general secretary of the indian federation of app based transport workers he argues that the welfare of platform workers is an electorally significant issue and believes that they can come together and hold numerical strength as a voting block for that to happen however it is not enough that platform workers are persuaded that their problems are similar or that their different problems arise from similar structures in order to come together as a category of workers they also need to move beyond the identity markers of caste and religion that dominate the analyses of voting patterns in india sheikh salauddin believes that their identity as members of the working poor can overcome these other markers of identity jo bhooka pet wala insaan hai mere welfare kya hai wo dekhta do you got my point koi usko Hungry people just want to secure okay. their own Hindu welfare main hindu hu main musliman hu main christian hu main sikh hu That is our own preparation. वो अपना खुद का वो है ठीक है धर्म की चीज में मगर For those struggling with hunger, questions of community are less important. The youth, in particular, have understood and have started to reject the political strategies of using communal controversies to win elections. जो सियासती जमात पहले से, sorry, सियासती जमात जो पहले से सारे जमात जो communities के बीच में that is because unemployment is high. and the ones who are employed do not benefit from the jobs that they have there is no social security no one to listen when they claim their rights they don't have the time for communal fights or to examine what benefits hindus and muslims are receiving agar jab haq mangne gaya to uska haq ka wahan pe koi sunai nahi hai ye sare cheez jo hai youth samajh rahi aaj they prefer so, to look instead at what they can earn from their jobs with that they can maintain a household take care of their wives and children the rent what they spend on their vehicles what they can save whether they can get married meri bachche ki shaadi kar paata care of the elderly parents mere ghar mein bude maa baap hai unka welfare dekh pa raha hu ya nahi dekh pa raha hu ye sabke samne sawal hai
that gig and platform worker movements are emphasizing their status as voting citizens is not historically unique. As we noted in the previous episode of this podcast, during the final third of the 20th century, rather than demanding benefits from employers using their status as workers, informal workers made direct demands on the state for welfare benefits using the rhetoric of citizenship. Health, education, and unemployment insurance were more important than wages, working hours, and occupational safety. We briefly touched upon an example that remains a model for informal worker organizing in India, the mobilization of Pune's headlord workers that eventually led to the historic Mathari and Hamal law in Maharashtra in 1969. Left out first from the mid-20th century network of labor and welfare protections, informal workers responded to the further retreat of the state from labor protection by organizing using the language of citizenship. These are not my words. The scholar Reena Agarwala who wrote them also termed this as the third wave of labor organizing in India. After economic liberalization, unable to demand that the state hold capital responsible for labor as it did under mid-20th century laws, organized informal workers wanted to hold the state directly responsible using their status as citizens. इसके ऊपर इंटरेस्ट आना चाहिए गवर्नमेंट को इंटरेस्ट आना चाहिए कि जो गरीब तबके के लोग हैं उनको हम कैसा इस जितनी तेजी से जैसा आप नीति आयोग का रिपोर्ट भी ले लीजिए उसके अंदर भी क्लियरली आप देखेंगे तो टू पॉइंट थर्टी एट करोड़ में जा रहा सही है ना तो इतना तेजी से जब ये ग्रोथ इज सो फास्ट वर्क इन This is also true of platform work and is a challenge that platform worker movements have to negotiate in bringing workers together as a group of citizens or as an electorally significant voting bloc. Ashish Singh explains how he views this particular challenge. Isme jo workers suppose ki Rajasthan mein law bana hai Congress ne is pe kaam kiya hai aur usse workers ko benefit mila hai aur wo worker Rajasthan se nahi hai किसी 
You're listening to the Delivery Charge podcast. In this episode, we are exploring the pursuit of legal reform by gig worker movements using opportunities present in India's competitive democratic politics. To better understand the kind of legal reform that they are seeking, we need to first understand the work itself and the legal environment in which it is done. Platforms argue that they provide an alternative to outmoded forms of work that are bound by rigid schedules and office spaces. Notwithstanding claims that they provide workers with so-called flexible work arrangements, questions such as who does the work and when, where and how the work is performed are determined quite minutely by platform algorithms. To learn more about platform work in India, we turn now to Balaji Parthasarathy, the lead investigator for the Fair Work Project in India. Balaji is also a professor at the International Institute of Information Technology, Bangalore. You know, most platforms will say, you know, come whenever you want to work with us for as long as you want to work with us, right? And take home as much money as you want or, you know, take home as much as you want. Now, what that suggests, right? is a significant symmetry in the relationship between the platform and the worker, right? So we are, it, it assumes that there's a sort of, uh, uh, you know, that the workers and platforms have almost an equal say in how, you know, you come on board, work on board and walk away with your uh, pay at the end of the day, right? Uh, in reality, it doesn't really work that way because so many of the conditions are actually controlled by the platform, right? And these are platforms that have technological might, they have deep pockets, and as a consequence, there is a significant amount of asymmetry that the claims to flexibility, right, are, uh, you know, can, can be easily challenged. Flexibility is made to seem like a binary variable. Like you say, you have flexibility, or you don't. But actually what happens is that, you know, it's, it's a sort of a think about it as a continuum and where the conditions and terms of what flexible really means are largely controlled by the platforms. Workers don't have that much say in what it means to actually, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what sort of flexible work uh, might mean. So in the sense that, for instance, you know, you might be told you have to log in for a minimum number of hours, you have to make X number of deliveries or, you know, travel so many kilometers. And then, see, part of the problem or part of the issues that a share or a non-trivial share of what workers take home comes from incentives, 
right? It's the base pay and the incentive. So to earn those incentives, which can be almost like half your income or your uh, take-home uh, pay, you know, you might have to work for, say, X number of hours or do Y number of trips. So, you know, where is the flexibility there? You see the point? So the terms of flexibility are often controlled by platforms, right? Although it is made to seem that it's your classic sort of, uh, you know, free market where you hop in and hop on and hop off whenever convenient, and then you sort of pocket the earnings and walk away. It's hardly like that. And then there are issues that are actually involved during the course of the delivery, operational issues. What happens if you are late? Right, because of conditions that are beyond your control, you know there are issues of discrimination you face at the customer end. So there are a whole host of issues that actually uh, influence what flexibility is all about and how flexibility plays out. Of course, is not sort of identical across platforms because different platforms have different operational models. They work in different uh, sectors and so on and so forth. But nevertheless, I think one of the things we have observed across platforms, across you know, these years that we've been doing the study, is that what flexibility really is, right, is something that platforms overwhelmingly control. The Fair Work Project evaluates the work conditions of digital labor platforms in the platform economy internationally. For this evaluation, it has developed five principles that they then apply to different types of platform work irrespective of how that work is legally classified or organized. These are fair pay, fair conditions, fair contracts, fair management, and fair representation. On the question of fair pay, Fair Work looks at whether workers earn a decent income in their places of work after taking work-related costs into account. A platform can score a maximum of two points on this parameter. To be awarded the second point, workers had to earn at least the local living wage after costs. In their report for India for 2022, no platform was awarded the second point. All that we are saying is when a platform gets a one, we are saying that there is some means by which they are able to ensure that their workers get a minimum wage, right? Either they build it into their so-called rate cards or they make up the difference. There are various ways in which platforms can do it depending on their own operational uh, you know, circumstances and uh, how they view their business, right? Now, what it also means is that merely because you're doing that, that doesn't necessarily mean that workers aren't getting a brilliant deal out there, right? So you're saying, I'm just making minimum wage, right? So you're just missing a very basic uh, threshold. And for all you know, companies, and even for companies that don't get a score or a point on that uh, principle, you know, there is always a segment or a percentage of workers who get the minimum wage. But when we are saying that you know, a platform is able to provide this, what we're saying is that you know, no worker actually gets below the minimum wage. That to us is very critical. So it's possible that a few workers make a lot of money, but that, that's not really what we're interested in. Quite often platforms will say, oh, the top 20% of our workers take home, you know, 50,000 rupees or, a, you know, close to a lakh of rupees a month. But that's not what we're really looking at. What we're looking at is even if you work for one hour and because we're using the hourly minimum wage, after course, are you able to ensure that your workers are able to take home a minimum wage? And by providing a minimum wage, in a sense, you're not essentially, in a sense, 
uh, what shall I say? It, 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 it's you're just meeting a floor. Let me put it that way. You're just it's just a floor, and it's not uh, something uh, that uh, calls for that much celebration, especially when the living wage is something that no platform has been uh, willing to meet so far. So you see what I'm saying. So you're essentially saying that some very very basic uh, uh, thresholds have been met in the platform market. And even that we found, we were able to evidence that only for three platforms out of 12. We have 12 platforms, uh, each of which can uh, get a maximum of 10 points, right? So you have a potential maximum of 120 points. But if you add up all the points that the platforms this year have scored, it's only 30, right? Uh, so that's 30 out of uh, 120. So in the aggregate, the platform economy is not looking that uh, rosy, right? You could you could make that uh, argument. And like, uh, you know, if you go back to 2021, when we scored 11 platforms and out of a maximum 120 points, they scored only about 26. So things haven't changed a whole lot if you take that uh, stance. So you take that sort of interpretation. So I think one must be a little cautious in saying, oh, you know, so-and-so has met this threshold and therefore, you know, it doesn't automatically mean that uh, everything is uh, uh, necessarily great and wonderful. Yes, certain minimum thresholds have been met, but perhaps there's a long way to go in actually uh, ensuring that it's a, it's, a, it's a livelihood option, which it is for a lot of people. It's a reasonable livelihood option. You're listening to Balaji Parthasarathy on the Delivery Charge podcast. As he explained, the difference in power between the platform and someone working on that platform can be quite stark. One way in which some balance can be introduced to this relationship is through legal regulation. For example, through laws that set out some basic standards for this kind of work. Historically, labor law has set out some minimum standards such as in relation to wages, working hours and occupational health and safety. It has also set up frameworks for redressing worker grievances and for the representation of workers in some decisions about work. Until quite recently, platforms operated without regulation in India. In 2020, the government of India attempted to amend and consolidate all of India's federal labour laws into four codes. They dealt with wages, industrial relations, social security and occupational safety, health and working conditions respectively. Several laws on social security were therefore folded into a single code known as the Social Security Code. Among other things, this Social Security Code defined terms such as gig work and platform work and enabled the central government to formulate and notify social security schemes for these categories of workers. See, see first and foremost, we are operating in this grey area where these guys don't fit into any category. right? They're independent contractors. And this allows for a lot of, shall we say, abuse, for want of a better term, right? I don't have to pay minimum wage because you're not a worker of any kind, right? I don't have to indulge in any kind of collective bargaining uh, because uh, you're an independent contractor. Let's talk one-on-one. -on -one. Never mind all the asymmetry stuff. The issues that, you know, uh, as you are well aware, we have these four codes that we have now in place nationally. Only the code on social security actually talks about gig workers and platform workers. And even that code has yet to be operationalized. And, you know, states are yet to give it the 
you know, the rules in have to be put in place. What kind of benefits, social welfare benefits work will accrue to workers is not clear. The contribution of the government is not clear, right? Or there is a lot of uncertainties that are surrounding the implementation of this code. Now, that's one aspect of it. The other important aspect, if you take a look at the other three ports, right? There is absolutely no mention of gig workers or platform workers. When we, we know repeatedly that the number one concern that workers have is how much am I going to take home at the end of the day? I mean, if you look at the demographic of these workers, uh, there's not too many of them who are past the age of 30. I mean, they're all in that 80 to 30 age, right? Of course, you'll find older cab drivers, etc., but they tend to be in the minority. For the most part, it is demographic, while I know surely we'll be thinking about its welfare benefits. You know, what will I get when I, for example, a pension benefit or something like that, you know, uh, when I when I retire or my provident fund, for instance. Uh, the primary thing that sort of occupies their mind is how much am I going to take home at the end of the day? But the code of wages, unfortunately, silent on that. Right? We don't know. What is it? Uh, what, what, what the sort of, there's, there's nothing in the law that says anything to, to that speaks to this uh, concern. Or there's nothing in the, uh, the, the, the code on sort of occupational health that talks about what is, what are the conditions that must be offered to workers. Right. So in the silence of the other three codes means that the framework within which the platform economy uh, operates uh, is, uh, you know, still very nebulous. We don't know a whole lot. And uh, even the Code on Social Security, which was passed in 2020, and we're now in 2023, you know, heaven alone knows when that's going to be implemented and it's got to be implemented in all the states, right? Only now, I believe there's some talk in the states. We'll see what happens. Since none of these codes have yet been notified or implemented by the government, India's older labor laws continue to apply. Here, we are referring chiefly to the mid-20th century labor laws that we also spoke of in the last episode of this podcast. These include the Industrial Disputes Act, the Factories Act, the Shops and Establishments Act, the Employees Provident Fund Act, and the Employees State Insurance Act. The majority of Indian workers did not receive the labor or welfare protections available under these laws because they worked in small-scale enterprises that were exempt from most of these laws, or as informal workers, where it was difficult to clearly establish the presence of an employer-employee relationship, which was a condition for the applicability of these laws. To learn more about how they did not protect India's gig and platform workers either, we turn now to Gayatri Singh, a Mumbai-based lawyer. The word gig workers is a broad term, I think you know that. I mean, it's, it, it includes platform workers as well as workers who are contract workers or casual workers. Uh, so different uh, forms of labor are included in gig workers. Uh, platform workers is more specific to digital platform work related uh, workers. Now, in, in the case of if we limit ourselves to, uh, so they would like, for example, casual contract workers would be in organized sector also. And they would be in an organized sector. So you have two different forms of uh, uh, labor protection. As far as workers who are working in the organized sector, there are different uh, uh, 
labor legislations which would uh, protect them to some extent. Uh, say, for example, the ID Act would be applicable, uh, that they should be made uh, permanent after 240 days of work. Uh, employment standing orders would be applicable. Uh, minimum wages would be applicable depending on whether it's a scheduled industry or not. Uh, Payment of Wages Act would be applicable. ESI would be applicable. ESNPF would be applicable to those workers where there are in a in a in a factory or establishment there are ten or more or twenty or more. Uh, I think for ESI it is ten and for PF it's twenty or the other way around. I'm not very sure, but there is a threshold limit uh, with regard to the number of workers that should be employed in a in a in a uh, establishment. Uh, for the uh, for ESI and PF to be applic- applicable, so these laws basically would not be applicable to the unorganized workers, or where they're less than. Uh, we can just take the figure of ten workers, where they're less than ten workers uh, working in a particular unit. Uh, so, so we need to separate these two sections. Uh, in the organized sector, of course, the organized sector is a minuscule uh, it has a minuscule number of workers uh, say two to three percent are really in the organized sector and even within the organized sector the organized workers are becoming uh, unorganized in the sense that permanent workers are being thrown out and and it's leading to casualization or contractization of the workers so again whereas earlier the, these workers even this two percent workers were protected now there is no protection. Uh, I'm talking of the existing labor laws. We are not talking right now about the codes uh, <laughs> that are sought to be introduced. So, so <clears throat> uh, then the Contract Workers Act would be applicable with regard to equal pay for uh, the same type of work or similar type of work. Uh, benefits being extended to even contract workers, which are similar to those where the permanent workers are doing similar work. Uh, so these are the, some of the protections. Now, if we come to the unorganized uh, sector, and if we talk specifically about uh, gig workers or even platform workers, let, let's take the example of platform workers, uh, where, <clears throat> uh, say, for example, the uh, Ola or Uber tax, taxi-driven uh, vehicles or the uh, delivery uh, uh, services. Uh, these uh, these workers are not covered and under any any existing legislation for two reasons. One that they are uh, they are not designated or they are not considered as workers. They are either referred to as partners or they are referred to as uh, executives or as so different types of nomenclature is used uh, so as to take them out of the definition of workmen. Uh, uh, on this issue, there have been, I mean, I'm sure you are aware of in UK and USA, there have been a number of cases where the, the issue of nomen- nomenclature came up where they, there also they were not considered as workers, they were given different designations so as to take them out of the purview of workmen uh, and the courts have held that they that <laughs> that uh, nomenclature is not important 
it is the nature of work that you do. So in order to determine whether you are a workman or you have a work uh, uh, employment relationship, uh, there are different uh, uh, parameters that must be looked into. So for example, in India, we have a number of cases which deal with the uh, supervisory powers. So when you are, say, for example, in the case of a driver uh, driving an Uber or an Ola, <coughs> as soon as they are onboarded uh, on onto the app, and until the time they are offloaded, uh, offboarded, uh, during that period of time, they are not independent entities. Their, their entire work, the manner in which they perform the work, what they are supposed to do, uh, is all uh, directed uh, and supervised by the aggregator. Uh, so it can be done directly or indirectly. So it's either through the algorithm, which will basically determine the nature of the fare, uh, which will determine whether there is surge pricing or whether <clears throat> whether the driver has to take that person to a particular location. Everything is determined. Uh, by the that particular app, which is again the issue is that that app or that algorithm is not transparent; it is opaque, and the drivers really do not know or uh, the basis on which this entire um, um, hiring and the de determination of the fare, etc., the manner in which it is determined is absolutely opaque. So, so that's one part in terms of the supervisory nature of the work in terms of the entire work being supervised by the uh, by the aggregator through the algorithm because if uh, unless we are clear in terms of what it implies uh base the aggregators basically are trying to take these workers out of the realm of these uh, labor laws by saying that there is absolutely no relationship between the two so when you when you say that that they are not your employees, uh, that they are independent uh, operators, or they have absolutely no relationship with the aggregator, then you have to pierce that veil and see what is actually the relationship. So in that context, the supervisory power, the nature of work, uh, the the uh, payment, who who makes the actual payment. And the decision-making powers, which are very important in terms of who decides what to do and when to do it, etc. Uh, so, so, so in that sense, there is no law really in terms of how these workers can be protected. But there is, uh, uh, there are judgments from the BD workers' case in the 1980s, uh, 1970s, etc. You have all these cases. When it uh, when Krishna dealt with the issue of BD workers, where the workers were really working in their houses with their own instruments, and the issue was whether they are actually workmen, independent contractors, or workmen. Uh, and so, in that in that in those contexts, uh, these uh, uh, these uh, uh, guidelines were <coughs> were uh, uh, set out by the courts. So, so when we say that there is no employer-employee relationship, then of course the Minimum Wages Act will not apply 
the factories hack won't apply because they're not working in a factory or an establishment. Uh, and also the issue will arise as to how many workers are being employed. So the aggregators are supposed to be governed under the uh, Information Technology Act where they're supposed to give details about the number of workers that they employ, etc., which is not being done right now in India. And that's why we have filed some cases on that. You're listening to Gayatri Singh on the Delivery Charge podcast. Gayatri is representing the Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers and some other unions in the petitions that have been filed before the Bombay High Court and the Supreme Court of India. These petitions ask the courts to recognize that no laws currently regulate work on platforms and to extend to platform workers the labor and welfare protections that are available to other types of workers under some of the existing laws. So the question is that that uh, when you talk of these two sets of laws, uh, the regulatory laws as well as the welfare uh, laws, both will, will not be applicable, mainly because they are not considered as workers. Uh, th- that's one aspect. Then we, if we come, we have in our petition, which we have filed in the Supreme Court, we have, we have dealt with this issue of employment relationship uh in that context to basically show that there is an employment relationship by going into details regarding their contracts if you look at the contracts even though they are considered as partners or executives uh yet the entire uh agreement basically shows that the entire decision making power is with the aggregator and not with the driver uh, so we have used those contracts also to show that, in fact, the contracts itself uh, show that the uh, uh, power is with the aggregators. The uh, issue which came up in the UK case, where basically the courts held that that uh, even if you sign an agreement uh, which says that I give up all my rights, or if you if they say that I'm not a workman, therefore no laws are applicable to me, etc., etc. Even then, the circumstances under which the contract is signed has to be looked into. So basically, to show that they have an unequal bargaining power, the workers, and therefore in view, so it's not uh, a simplest uh, contract agreement as there would be between two equals, but it's an agreement between two unequals. And therefore, uh, you have to pierce the veil and see whether there is actually uh, uh, an employer-employee relationship. In 2021, the Government of India adopted the Motor Vehicle Aggregator Guidelines under the Motor Vehicles Act. It applied to motor vehicle aggregators including Uber and Ola, and among other things, contained provisions that capped the number of working hours and extended insurance cover for drivers. Its implementation, however, was left to the states. Uh, all motor vehicles have to be registered under the Motor Vehicles uh, Act. Uh, 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 once you register, you are supposed to give details about everything, like how many workers you have, how many hours they work, etc., etc. Now, the guidelines basically provide for something more than what is provided under the Motor Vehicles Act because Motor Vehicles Act was is mainly uh, uh, restricted uh, to regulating 
the uh, operation of vehicles it does not talk about the rights of the workers or the drivers uh, but the motor vehicle guidelines in a in a sense introduces some aspects of it uh, so two three aspects i'll just uh, point out one is a grievance redressal uh, mechanism should be there so that workers can raise uh, grievances about the nature of their work the manner in which the fare is determined uh, their working hours etc the second is uh, because right now there is no grievance redressal mechanism they can be uh, their accounts can be deactivated if the aggregators find that they are uh, basically either unionizing the workers or they're taking an active part in the union or have engaged in any uh, disputes etc etc their accounts can be deactivated and they can be blacklisted so that no other employer or aggregator will employ them and this has been a major issue in, uh, amongst the workers where they have said that the 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 basic right to be heard uh, should be included because before you do all this before you victimize the workers they have a right to uh, defend themselves so so the guidelines basically has one provision which says that there must be a grievance redressal uh, mechanism the second part is about the working hours they say that they should not be allowed to work for more than 12 hours of course we have said it cannot be 12 hours it has to be 8 hours uh, that's that's the second part the third is uh, some of the states have introduced uh, these guidelines and they have introduced sexual harassment the issue of sexual harassment also which which uh, basically i mean many of the women drivers have to face and uh, and there is no mechanism to make those complaints and uh, then there is the issue of fare fixation how do you fix the fares it's all very arbitrary and the whole concept of surge pricing that is if there is more demand and less supply the aggregators can just arbitrarily increase the rates without any uh, regulatory uh, mechanism uh, so the guidelines basically say that 80% of the whatever the fare is the base should not be uh, less or more than whatever is fixed and two what uh, 80% of that uh, should go to the driver and 20% to the aggregator and this is not this is this is something that is not being followed at all so, so work, the drivers get 5% or, or 10% but never 50 even 50% of the fare so that's that's another important uh, inclusion that has been there and we have been uh, uh, asking for its implementation and lastly about insurance that they provide for a medical insurance and life insurance of course the insurance is very uh, minimal it's 5 lakhs whereas under the workman's compensation act if a person is injured or dies the compensation is much more uh, than 5 lakhs so so that finally i mean the basically the central guidelines say that each state ha- can formulate its own guidelines they can introduce something additional or or delete some of those provisions they have a right to do to uh, to uh, pass any such regular uh, uh, rules so many of the states west bengal karnataka and uh, uh, manipur etc they have introduced these guidelines and some of the guidelines are uh, beneficial towards the workers in fact the west bengal guidelines say that esi benefits should be extended to 
the uh, drivers uh... earlier this year the bombay high court extended the application of these guidelines to the operations of cab aggregators like ola and uber in the state of maharashtra maharashtra mein maharashtra ko court ne kaha in maharashtra the court, government did so only after being ordered to by a court what about other states the purpose of the petition really is to uh, sort of uh, build a campaign and to start a discussion on on uh, these issues which basically at that period of time people started talking about it and and uh, now sort of it's become a big a big issue in india where there've been number of strikes also in andhra and telangana by the swiggy zomato workers uh, <clears throat> and the urban cab workers etc the petitions in the bombay high court and in the supreme court may be seen as part of a larger campaign for legal reforms in relation to gig work so far in this episode we have observed three legal changes that this campaign has advocated there are aspects of work regulation and social security provisioning in all three of them but the category of workers that would benefit from them is not the same first there is the demand for the implementation of the motor vehicle aggregator guidelines these guidelines would take the form of executive orders and notifications passed by state governments and may include caps on working time grievance redressal mechanisms and insurance and other welfare benefits they apply however only to motor vehicle aggregators which is a category of platforms another demand is for courts to recognize the true nature of the relationship between platforms and platform workers and extend to that relationship the labor protections and welfare benefits available under mid 20th century laws such as the industrial disputes act the factories act or the shops and establishments act the employee state insurance act and the employee provident fund act who among platform workers this legal reform would benefit would need to be analyzed separately for each type of worker and the particular law in question thirdly there is the demand for a special social security system that applies only to gig and platform workers such a system may now be put in place in rajasthan through the law passed by the rajasthan legislative assembly earlier this year it provides for the constitution of a welfare board in which the worker voice is also represented each of these legal changes that are being campaigned for has the potential to alter the disparity in power between platforms and gig workers in all three cases gig workers will be able to access some kind of state backed institutional framework for the redressal of grievances in relation to their work or to claim social security entitlements my quest in this episode is to understand more closely the pursuit of legal reforms by gig and platform worker movements in india the new social security law in rajasthan provides us with an opportunity to do so तो राजस्थान के अंदर अब कानून फाइनल रूप से पास हो चुका है जो राज्यपाल के पास हुआ था राज्यपाल के साइन हो चुके हैं और कानून पूरी तरह से पास हो गया है उसके नियम बनने बाकी और हमारे साथी के साथ बैठे हैं इधर ही मालिनगर योर लिसनिंग टू साउंड फ्रॉम अ वीडियो क्लिप दैट आई रिसेंटली In the video Krishna interviews a few of his colleagues about the new social security law for gig and platform workers. They thank the chief minister and the governor and congratulate the workers of the state. 
देखो ये गिग वर्कर कानून से फायदा सभी डिजिटल प्लेटफॉर्म पे काम करने वाले सभी वर्करों को होगा ओला उबर रेपिडो जोमेटो कृष्णा चौधरी रेफर्स हियर टू द मॉडल कोड ऑफ कॉन्डक्ट रूल्स विच एमंग अदर थिंग्स प्लेसेस कंस्ट्रेन्स ऑन द एक्शन ऑफ गवर्नमेंट्स ड्यूरिंग अ पीरियड बिफोर इलेक्शन earlier in this episode and in the previous episode we noted how in order to credibly make demands for legal reform by using the opportunities of india's competitive democratic politics gig and platform workers had to have become electorally decisive that is capable as a group of voters of affecting the results of any election they needed to overcome their differences and come together i spoke about this with dharmendra kumar of genpahel who if you remember came into the space of gig worker organizing after several years as an organizer of street vendors no this is a sector and this is a industry distribution and uh, this is one of the largest industries in the world distribution services and uh, uh, as i said the new retail you know uh, there is no differentiation between e-commerce and uh, offline stores uh, so both are coming together uh you have walmart which are doing both offline and online you have reliance which are doing both so both are combined offline and online and both is going to adversely impact the existing small traditional players and that's why we have to have a comprehensive strategy to bring together all stakeholders uh, uh whose stakes are uh, no a very high actually. uh in indian circumstances so that is uh how we see this uh, that unless we mobilize and organize all stakeholders of the sector uh, we will not be uh, able to make significant changes at least at the policy level and this is a policy matter this is a matter of regulation because at the wto level uh, things have not moved that 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 much on distribution services and india has also not committed uh, too much on distribution services particularly in retail services so we do not have any uh, multilateral multinational framework which guides them uh, india still has freedom and uh, that regulatory space to bring in new regulations uh, in favor of independent small people who are doing business and this question of livelihood and that perspective of livelihood is guiding our work so we are here to protect livelihood and to ensure that uh, workers have fair wages and decent working conditions and adequate social protection do you think uh, uh, street vendors and say workers for urban company they have the same interests that they can be brought together under one platform for example an electrician working under uh, urban company many times these people are also street vendors because so if you see uh, street vendors as it is defined by the street vendors act of 2014 in india it says any person providing goods or services from a temporary 
structure in the streets is the street vendors. So we do see many carpenters, electricians, plumbers operating from the streets. So they are also, uh, by definition, street vendors in most cases. So do you think they see themselves as uh, one class of workers? No, they don't see them as one class of workers. So that is something on which uh, we all need to work. Even the administration, you know, the, the, the municipal bodies, which basically govern street vending, they also fail to see them as a street vendor because the traditional notion is a street vendor is someone who is selling uh, food or non-food. They do not see uh, a guy uh, correcting puncture, doing puncture work, you know, or tailor, barber, shoemaker. You have so many people in the street doing services like urban company. No, the company is just a platform. But before that, we had these kind of people doing services in the streets. But uh, our understanding is still not very clear. I mean, I say our, that means uh, that also includes government machine. Because recently, uh, the survey is going on in many cities in India of street vendors. And in most cities, uh, the survey conducted by government agencies have not included these uh, kind of street vendors, cobblers. You know, washermen, tailors, or the puncture guy, because they don't see them as the street vendors. But if you go by the definition, they are very much the street vendors, and uh, it will take time uh, to realize and include them as the street vendors. But, but having said that, it's also true that uh, all who are uh, on an urban company, they all may not be street vendors. There are many uh, beauticians are not working in the streets uh, largely. There might be some exceptions here and there, but they operate from home. So obviously they will not see themselves as street vendors because they are not operating from the street. They are operating from home. So similarly, there might be electricians and plumbers who are operating from other structures. So in case of electricians, they mostly are linked with some local electrical shops. So that is their street, you know. So it it it, it depends. It depends. But we have to uh, come to an understanding. Come to an understanding. But uh, uh, broadly, I see them all as vulnerable and uh, as worker of one particular sector. So the commonality is very much commonality is very much there. But we need to uh, maybe articulate that in a more meaningful way. So what is your strategy regarding that? How do you bring that together? Our recent strategy, which was very successful, was uh, post-COVID, when the government of India had a scheme uh, to provide credit assistance uh, to street vendors so that they can come back uh, to the streets and restart their livelihood or jobs. Uh, the scheme is called uh, Swanidhi, PM Swanidhi, Prime Minister Swanidhi scheme. And under this PM Swanidhi scheme, uh, government had floated a uh, portal, the Ministry of Urban Development, where street vendors could apply for a credit of 10,000 rupees. Right? So our team on the ground uh, approached street vendors who, who are 
not considered as a state vendors as we were talking about and we enrolled them under that scheme and they all have benefited uh, and they all have taken credit under that scheme and in that process they are they have been officially recognized as state vendors so this is the process by which they are not only accessing the state vendors uh, scheme but also recognized as state vendors so now we have thousands of uh, electricians tailors washermen shoemakers uh, who are recognized as state vendors officially dharmendra kumar refers here to an instance where a government scheme became the basis for organizing different types of workers such as cobblers and electricians who perhaps did not see themselves as part of a single category of workers nevertheless came together on a digital platform to claim the benefits under a government scheme to provide pandemic relief to street vendors when the government's benevolence was directed towards a category called street vendors different types of workers identified themselves within that category such legal categories such as gig worker or platform worker under the social security code or under rajasthan social security law can thus set out the direction for mobilizing and organizing once there is something you know uh, workers will uh, have interest and right now what we are having is workers are not engaged and workers are not organized that way but with gig workers that they can easily be organized because they all are already on board on board with some companies and uh, government or companies uh, do have data who are the workers so the data is not a problem and they are already organized by aggregators it's on the only question is that uh, whether the board makes them more interested no so with construction workers if you see uh, if something is coming from board there's a lot of enthusiasm from workers side for example in delhi recently uh, post covid uh, we had less than 50000 workers who were active members of the delhi construction workers welfare board but delhi government uh, as a covid relief transferred 5000 rupees to all those registered construction workers and that basically uh, sent a message to all workers that look there is a benefit of being a member and now the, uh, it is more than 8 lakh 8 lakh workers who have registered so it is 16 times jump triggered by one benefit given by the government so if board uh, is transferring benefit to workers workers will be interested and uh, there will be organizations unions who will be organizing them helping them facilitating them recognizing them that process will surely move on on the one hand therefore we have seen leaders such as sheikh salauddin and ashish singh mobilizing and organizing to bring different types of gig and platform workers together under a single organizational umbrella मानता हूँ 
और ये so that we can reach drivers and delivery workers for us to be able to take the issues to the government to do ground level protests when the government does not listen and to claim our rights using the necessary means as they have suggested ashish singh and sheikh salauddin are building a wider tent for gig and platform workers at least partly to be able to make demands for legal reform using the opportunities available in india's democratic politics on the other hand we see how the laws recognition of different types of gig and platform workers as a single category can itself provide the impetus for workers organizing and mobilizing together for example once the rajasthan social security law is effectively implemented workers can connect with platform worker movements and unions to access their entitlements under that law these welfare entitlements provide workers with an incentive to be recognized as gig and platform workers under that law workers movements and the law share what scholars like to call a mutually constitutive relationship that means that they impact and shape each other in this episode we looked at a worker movement that was organizing to build an electorally significant category of workers in order to credibly demand legal reform and a rajasthan laws recognition of a category of workers that itself sows the seeds for workers to come together and become an electorally significant category that is able to credibly demand legal reform i leave you with this idea of a fertile dialectic between workers mobilizing for legal reform and laws that themselves contain the potential for further worker mobilization at the end of this the 7th episode of the delivery charge podcast i am your host and producer aju john and i thank you all for listening